Your attention, please. Paul and Alex are required to proceed to the gate immediately. What? No way. What is happening here? This is the last call for the Layovers podcast. Really? Come on, man. This is our thing. We got this. Oh, yeah. And we made it. Of course, geeks. Flight 73 to Malé. Wow, woo, exotic. <laughs> we, we deserve something exotic after uh, the miles that we've stacked up, which uh, explains why it's been so long, hey? Well, very, very long. Sorry, guys. I mean, we thought that it would be three to four weeks uh, until the time we would be able to record, and it lasted at least two months now. Uh, Has it been two of, months? I think it was the 18th of May, and we're recording today, July 3rd. No, so a month and six weeks. Oh, my weeks. goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, I mean, we, we've been traveling, obviously, right? Uh, duh. Uh, we've covered, I think, between the two of us, at least 100,000 miles. Oh, uh, for sure. Is, yeah, it's insane. The thing is, we were time to time in London, but the other wasn't. Mm-hmm. And although I brought my microphone, for instance, when I was in Asia, then the time zones didn't work. And for instance, one time you were in Zagreb and I was in Tokyo, and it was like always impossible to find a right time to do so. Yeah. So uh, it's the first time we are both in London, and we decided to record, although, and I will admit that so that you guys know, my notes are in total disaster. I have two months worth of notes, didn't have time to sort them out. So we just said, let's get an episode out, out of memory. So we're going to be Paul and Alex talk about their travels. Yeah. (laughs) So apologies (laughs) in advance. (laughs) <laughs> and we missed so many things. The royal wedding, uh, GDPR introduced, uh, weather in a plane, do you hear Laurel or Yanni? And obviously the World Cup. And the, the World, World Cup. Cup. I've forgotten how wonderful the World Cup is, and I've been able to enjoy it so much more because America isn't in it. So I'm not stressed <laughs> out. I'm not I'm not dreading it or ruining it, or I'm just enjoying it. And it, it's been such a great World Cup. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's an extraordinary one. Honestly, there's out of, I, I believe, like probably four games out of all the games played so far probably are in the top 10 of any yeah. World Cup. Oh, it's, for sure. Yeah, there's been some amazing goals and goalkeeping and controversy and f- just as a neutral, well, quasi-neutral supporter, it's been a great World Cup so far. So you're not supporting England at all? I am. I want it, Of course, I want England to do well. I mean, if the US was in it, of course, I'd be cheering loudly for them, but I'm also a massive supporter of the underdog. Yeah, me so, too. That's uh, always been my case, which is which is why I love this World Cup because we see yeah. a lot of the big ones. The big gone. dogs are going out. Some of them didn't even qualify, and so yeah, it's been great. And I I stood in the square in Zagreb and watched Croatia play Iceland, which was wonderful. So now I'm I'm basically an honorary Croatian. So <laughs> <laughs> I did watch myself one Japan game in in Tokyo actually with Shin, you know Shin yeah, uh, and a few fantastic. other guys. That was super cool. And the other ones, and I'll mention that a bit later in the show to talk about aviation. I watched actually two, three games in, in flight. That's uh, so cool. What a that's world so cool. we live in. Exactly, and one of them was actually Japan playing in ANA when I was flying from Bangkok back to Tokyo, and it was Japan playing and. The whole crew loved me because I was keeping them up with a score <laughs> and I was shouting in the cabin while everybody else was sleeping because it was an 11.50 p.m. flight or something. So, oh, that's <laughs> I mean, so funny. But I mean, 
Uh, the, the company that does it is called Sports 24 Live. I think that's even their um, Twitter handle, at Sports 24 Live. And they have the rights for all the World Cup games, and it's pretty cool. You know, the, the only thing that is actually interesting, since we're on it, is the commentary. The commentary, oh, yeah. because it's an international type of, you know, broadcast, it's very neutral, obviously, you know, because sometimes when you listen to even the BBC when they're not talking about England or ITV or let's say uh, uh, TFR, which is the, um, the channel in France, they will they they will have like a favorite, although the, because you know they're more they, they can allow themselves to do that. But in flight, no. So the commentary is very like uh, precise. They have a lot of knowledge, but they're very neutral. That's which interesting. Me off. And wh- where are they from? <laughs> I mean, the accent. Nondescript. Looks, now looks like British and one guy probably Australian. Ah. Huh, I didn't even think about where the commentary would come from. That's cool. <laughs> how hard must it be to be a, a neutral, though? <laughs> and it's amazing, man, how the quality, because there was almost no delay. There's probably a little time delay, but you don't care because you're in flight, so you're not actually really caring yeah. if there's like a few seconds off, which is not the case when you like watch on live stream, because the other day, I think you were texting me a goal like five seconds before I actually saw the goal myself. I was like, what? Yeah, <laughs> so- yeah. It's, it's, some of the delay is pretty extraordinary. But it's, but in- you know, that you can watch it while you're yeah, flying over, exactly. you know, wherever it may have been is just extraordinary. Inconceivable, it- even four years ago. Exactly. Even for I remember that Emirates was trying to display the game they had. They were one of the sponsors, and the games were okay, but like they were dropping off. Sometimes uh, their feed wasn't available over some countries. Now it's, it's been throughout. The other flight I did watch games with with uh, Lufthansa. I flew from Frankfurt. Man, Frankfurt. I, I think we'll dedicate an entire episode of how much I hate Frankfurt. Uh, Frankfurt. I can get over some of the stories you were telling. <laughs> to Haneda and back and on both sides again the World Cup was on the only thing is that the World Cup only starts playing when you actually are in the air I mean all the live TV channels there are three on both of these flights because they're the same provider so it was very frustrating because that Japan game started whilst we were still on the ground taxiing it was like come on let's take off let's take off let's take off <laughs> hmm. so I could see it but yeah so it's really it's really really cool uh, the other thing we missed in a, 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 let's go uh, it's just a few seconds on it because I think we cannot not talk about it. Is uh, the death of uh, Anthony Bourdain, uh, although not exactly related to aviation, is obviously related to to food. You had an episode on Investigation Nation lately, uh, as in was pre to last episode about about him. It was a very good episode, right? Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, here we don't, I mean, we talk a little bit about airplane food, but I think it's more the philosophy of, of Bhutan that we miss. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't have heroes myself uh, because I was not brought up like that, especially by my mother, like he'd be very fiercely independent, et cetera. And if I have any type of heroes, would be my, my parents because they, they brought me up like that. But you know what, you know, what I'm missing about, about him is this sense of showing discomfort. And I think both of us are really... We like discomfort. Of course, you know, you, you guys hear us and we talk about, you know, sometimes being in first class and, you know, business class. It's not, not discomfort at all. But the fact to put yourself in different positions, to try new stuff, to constantly try different type of things, not only food, but also destinations, meeting new people randomly. That's what I've always tried to do when I, when I travel and I wish I could do in life, which is why my career doesn't make any sense, by the way. And I think that's, you know, that, that, that hit me in a way that I wasn't expecting that because I was never, I, mean, I was a fan, like a lot, a lot of people, probably not like you were, but it's really 
you know, someone who took stances, someone who was non PC, someone who was accepting others and trying to get to the other all the time, accepting that not everything is black and white. Uh, you know, not everything is black and white. I'll give you an example. My, my family, my grandfather was a, well, one of the head of the resistance in Greece, and they had to host, because at the same time, he, he was a doctor. So he was a very well-known doctor in his region in Greece back in the 40s. He had to host a Nazi SS officer at, at home. That same Nazi SS officer with my father was trying to run away with his family, including my father, to go to Athens to hide is the person who saved them. You know, not everything is black and white. Yeah. And that's a bit what Bourdin kind of showed. Like, you have to try. You have to keep going. It's always complicated. And and you know what? That kind of hit me. I know it hits you, uh, of course. I mean, that shows not only in your tweets that you've made, but also in the in the episode that you've recorded with your brother. But it's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a bit sad that we're missing someone like that that shows, especially people are too comfortable. Especially, and I'm sorry because not PC. We're going to say, but especially sometimes Americans that hey, hey, go out, try stuff, try food. You know, I always tell my friends when they tell me, Paul, what's the best restaurant I should go? It's my first time in Tokyo, for instance. And Tokyo is comfortable. I tell them, you know what? Go to any place randomly, choose stuff you don't understand. There's no pictures. Just go for it, and you'll be fine. Right? It's that's the spirit that I, I'm, I'm going to miss. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I was I was heartbroken by his passing. And I think it, uh, it's trite to say it, but there's definitely a very big hole. There's no one with that voice anymore that's yeah. that's challenging and saying, hang on, wait a minute. Not, not just through the content, but just, just they're generally commentating on, on some of the, the choices that, that we make and someone challenging us to, to do exactly what you say, to step away from the from the day to day and almost in a way single-handedly redefining what travel mm-hmm. should be or at least pointing the ship back in the direction that it needs to be and and, and no longer you know disney cruises and you know manicures and all that nonsense which is fine actually it's not fine but it's 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 that voice that was pulling us away from things that were too easy and reminding us that there's a very big world that that needs to be explored and i, I i'm i'm very sad i remain very sad and as i said on the other podcast on Mastication Nation, the only good thing that has come from this is uh, this resurfacing of some of his of his content, especially his written work, his articles, essays, and interviews, and also some of the the pieces that people have written about their interactions with, with him, which perhaps seemed inconsequential at the time, but now, with greater reflection and context, are, are very powerful and moving. Dave, David Simon, who created The Wire, uh, posted a beautiful, almost eulogy on his own personal blog that's that's well worth seeking out but uh yeah it was a it was a potent reminder for all of us the importance of travel yeah yeah and, and again i'm going to say another thing that might be it doesn't make us better but probably because we were born across different cultures you know that we're not a single culture and that we've lived in different places you are in Simply by context, you are more open to that. You understand that more. You know, I, I have like, you know, three passports and live, uh, God knows how many countries. You have two passport leaves. It doesn't make us better people, but it makes us probably more acute to that because by definition, you don't always feel in place when you're yeah. somewhere. Yeah. And uh, that's why this a message like Bruna talked obviously, obviously to us, but I was happy that he talked to people that are also like, you know, single culture. And here, I'm really not saying that some people are better than others. I'm trying to like, try guys, be uncomfortable. You know, I was, I was with Frankie, you know, Frankie. Yeah, good old Frankie. I was with Frankie in, in, in Tokyo when I was uh, recently, you know, he's a cancer survivor and, 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 he was always very positive, positive outlook at life, in life. But it, 
even more so now, he says, you know, guys, please say yes. And that's always been a philosophy. Please say yes, show up, say yes, try stuff. And, yeah. you know, of course, he's, he's seen death in front. And now he says, you know, just I'm talking here, Frankie. He says, you know, just try stuff. And that's exactly a bit like what I'm, I'm taking from Bourdain also, although I already have it in me. He's like, say yes and try stuff completely, you know, and find your truth, challenge them, find your horizon, see what's beyond. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, over, find your lies as well and overcome them. And, and that's what Bourdain for me was a bit like a wayfarer to take a bit of the, the skyfaring book of Mark, the, the, a bit of a cardinal point, yeah. like try to be, try to be a little bit more. Absolutely. Like yeah. And I think that the, you know, the people that you meet, even if you have nothing in common with them or even disagree fundamentally on just about everything, that doesn't mean you, you can't like them and enjoy a beer exactly. with them and some food. And I think that that's something that, that I am still working on, but I still think back, you know, God, if he hadn't said that out loud and then embodied it in his actions and his content, I probably still would be, you know, thinking, uh, I'm a little bit of an, well, I am a little bit of an asshole, but you know, th- at least I'm conscious of it now when I travel. <laughs> and in Greek, we say when someone dies, we say that uh, he or she lives through us. So Alex, you know, he lives through you, lives through people like me, lives through people like you guys are listening and are trying and traveling. So keep the flame alive. And, um, you know, thank you for listening to this uh, little introduction that was not the most positive. But I think really, guys, say yes, show up and find discomfort. Absolutely. Anyway, moving on back to aviation. Uh, I mean, so many, I don't even know where to start. Uh, uh, maybe, do you want to start with one of your travels? I mean, you've been to so many places. You've been to Zagreb, Budapest, you've been to Monterey, you've been to Moscow, you've been to Hong Kong, yeah. you've been to Malta. We're not, we're not going to cover everything in this episode. We're going to cover over the two or three next episodes because, first of all, uh, we have a short period of time actually to record today but also because otherwise it would be just paul and alex just randomly talking about travel so which one do you want to pick is there any experience you want to mention yeah i think probably because it was such a revelation i i found one of the the crazy american airlines ba fares that allows you to fly in ba on first for a reasonable fare just a way that american prices BA 747 uh, first class seats means it's it's not as horrendous as it usually is but it also meant, and I think I was going to Monterey, so there was a fairly hefty uh, itinerary of toings and froings. But it meant I did most of the legs on American, just because they fly to Monterey. I flew London to Miami in business class on American Airlines. What a fantastic experience that was. Wow. I know. Wow. I never thought I would say that about any American airline ever, you know, international legacy carrier. <laughs> wow. It was fantastic. It was so good. It Both was the, the hard and the soft product. Yep. I mean, like the entire experience? The entire experience. So it was wow. a triple seven, uh, 300. No, pardon me. It was a 200 actually from, from London to, to Miami. The seat was the, the Zodiac that we're all familiar with, the angled. I think I, 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 it doesn't really matter, but it was it was incredibly comfortable. It was spacious. The IFE was outstanding. Big screen, reasonably good content. The three live TV channels that you were mentioning, the sports, I think BBC and CNN, blazing fast Wi-Fi for the entire flight. The food was outstanding, just exemplary, really fresh, hot, lots of good choices, lots of good American comfort food, really good wine list. And in the galley area, 
you know, when BA put out a couple of, you know, packs of crisps and some, some, you know, no, Kit Kats, they had all these beautiful, uh, savory and sweet tapas, the, uh, you know, the uh, tapas in the loosest sense of the word, little small dishes, and they were all absolutely delicious. The crew were friendly, assertive, you know, of a standard of Cathay. Wow. In their wow. attent I know, I know. It's extraordinary. In their attentiveness, <laughs> in their humor, in their, you know, I noticed you didn't you didn't eat, so I brought you this. You know, if you wanna why don't you try both of these instead of having to pick that type of thing. I was just I was just so impressed. And then connect oh uh, uh, I'm gonna try and zip through this because I know we have a lot to cover. But No no go ahead. The way that the ticket worked because of the Saturday night stay rule meant that by the time I got to Monterey, which was on an E-190, again, comfortable, friendly service, blazing fast Wi-Fi, the whole nine years. No, no IFE or anything like that, but decent snacks. I got to Monterey on a Wednesday night. Is that right? Yeah. I did my speech on a Thursday, but I couldn't fly back until Sunday. Oh. I was a little frustrated by that. I mean, as much as I would love to be in Monterey, and it's a great city, but I, I wanted to get back to my family because I've got a young daughter and, and two kids. When I got to Miami and I went to the incredible lounge that the American have there, again, huge. I think an American travelers, correct me if I'm wrong, it feels like it was renovated recently. And I think I might have mentioned to you even that it was it was uh, renovated recently. Huge, spacious. The food was outstanding. Hot and cold was, again, blue BA out of the water. And I'm, only, I'm not trying to rag on BA. I'm just using them as a point of reference because I traveled with them the most. But I went up to the to the customer. They have four dedicated customer service desks and said, explain the problem. And the guy looked at the ticket. He's like, well, there's probably going to be a change fee at least. Oh, wait a minute. No, you're at One World Emerald. So we may be able to scratch that. But, you know, Saturday Night Star, well, there's going to be a, there's going to be a fair difference. And I was like, I know it's yeah. going to be it's going to be huge. <laughs> so he gets on the phone to the ticketing center. And he's like, okay, well, there's no change fee. That's good. And they're getting on the phone, getting on the phone. And all of a sudden, maybe 15 people, American Airlines staff, uniformed and non-uniformed, coming around the corner with a cake with candles on it. They're all covered in like signs. And and the guy on the phone, it was his last day. Oh, and they wow. basically shut the operation down. I guess he was a little bit of a superstar. You know, shut the whole thing down. And so you know, sang him songs and everything while he's on the phone. He's, he's like, I'm help, trying to help a customer here, guys. The operations manager for all of Miami for American gets on the phone and takes over the call for him so he can do this thing. And they're like, okay, no charge, no problem. Go home and see your family. Come back tomorrow night and we'll get you on the flight. You're confirmed on this flight. Amazing. Amazing. No charges. No, nothing. Don't worry about that's it. How he, that's how he should be, man. Yeah. And then so this guy is getting all the, you know, the people are singing to them and they're all trying to take pictures with him. And they're like, oh, I want to pee in the picture. And I was like, screw it. I'll take the picture for you. So I took a picture with all these guys. <laughs> and th they were just so friendly. And I think that that was was so great. And I and I told them, I, you know, you I had really low expectations for you. I, by definition, hate you because I'm you know, I was with Virgin America and like, oh, we missed having them around. But my flight back through Dallas, which we'll talk about later, because Jesus Christ, uh, <laughs> was 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 not as good as the way over, but it was still great. It was an eight month old triple seven three hundred. Great food, great service. I, I was just, I need to kind of cap in hand, eat some humble pie, and say American Airlines. 
you have got me as a customer. Wow. I was about to fly them, actually. Uh, you remember, I was amongst all those crazy travels we've done. There's one I've done that required me to go to New York for exactly 13 hours, which is completely stupid. Uh, but I had really literally no choice. As he's, suddenly this client comes to me and says, Paul, we need you there. And then, like in the middle of the travel, says, I can probably try to make that happen. So I had to fly from Athens to New York back to Athens into London like in, in, in a day and a half. It was completely stupid. And I was looking at all the options and I needed to fly after uh, noon in Athens. And a lot of the flights, uh, if you guys live in Europe, but if you don't, uh, you'll learn a lot of the flights going to the US, they, they fly in the morning up to noon. It's very rare to it, find yeah. flights in the afternoon, right? Yep. So for me, it was a big, uh, there was one flight I could have done. It was actually flying from Athens to Rome Fiumicino and then AA from Rome to JFK. And that would have been, I think, like just 1230 or something. That was, that was just perfect. And I didn't because of what you just said, the, the Sunday rule, because again, in 13 hours, there's no Sunday there. It was a Monday, actually. <laughs> and it would have cost me, would have cost me like an arm and a leg. But I was really wanting to try AA. So that, that gives me like a, a little you know, kick in the butt to try next time when I, when I see that fear, a fear that works, I will actually do it. Yeah, I was impressed. And again, like we've talked about this a few times. It's that if you, if you're willing to play around with IT matrix, which actually we should spend some time talking about in the next few episodes because oh, that product God. has changed dramatically. S sadly. Sadly. Yeah. Not, and not in a good way. You can find these crazy fares relatively crazy fares that will allow you to do business class or first if you are can play with the fare buckets a little bit and it's, i was just so impressed i was so impressed and i've got no shame admitting i was very wrong about that <laughs> you shouldn't have any shame i think you know a lot of people always you know comment uh hey, i'm not talking us we are, are reading comments and there's always a battle who's the best in the u.s and that comes in bracket because obviously compared to some of the other airlines in the world is not really always very high but yeah. it's either delta or AA. it's never united sorry guys it's well I've, I've, i used to fly delta and i was always pretty you know Happy is maybe overstatement, but I was content with them. But uh, AA, I haven't flown them in at least 15 years, so I really need to try them. I hadn't either. So, yeah, I was I was impressed. They did well. That reminds me of another story that happened to you. Uh, sorry, guys, as you can see, we're not going to go chronologically at all. You were trying, uh, were you not on a BA flight? You were trying to get on an earlier flight and it was impossible. Yeah, I can't remember if I told the story already, but in, it was in Dublin and I rocked up very early because I'd finished my commitments in the city early, and they said it was going to cost. And this is just just to go from Dublin back to London, that it would cost 170 pounds just to get on the uh, another flight, in which there was space because I'd looked on Expert Flyer and I'd actually called the BA reservations uh, agents as well, and they wouldn't they wouldn't do it. Maybe you're right. Maybe now I forget, guys. Sorry if we talked about it in the last episode, but for us, the last episode is like yeah. <laughs> eight weeks or six weeks ago. Oh, well, that was yeah. when they, 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 my seat was uh, deallocated. Oh, yeah, exactly. I think you mentioned because, yeah. you know, I, I've had that story as well during these, these weeks, and, you know, I just showed up to the counter. And it was done. It was uh, Lufthansa. And uh, it happened to me all, already with Swiss in the past. I just show up and say, hey, I'm early. Can I take another flight? Of course, but like you are, you, you, you're gold on, on BA. Yeah, so I was gold on Senator on Lufthansa. And I said, can I take this one so I get faster to my destination? 
no problem, sir. Here are the seats available, and that was it. It should be like that, or, or you know, or tell me, you know, it's going to be like fifty bucks, okay? But at least there's impossibility drives me insane. You know, like come on, wow, how how? And the other th- the other question I have for you, um, since you said E one ninety, I also flew E one ninety from uh, BA. It's not BA; it's a city flyer, city something like that. Yeah, city, city line. jet, city jet, or city, city lines. Yeah. Anyway, uh, they fly from Lucy, um, London City mm. in. in did you have, because you were in business class, did you have, it was a 2-2, uh, I think. Did you have a, a free seat next to you? How was that working? Yeah, on American, it's 1-2. 1-2. Okay, yeah, 1-2, absolutely. And did you have a free seat next to you? Uh, I was in the 1. Ah, you went to one. Yeah, because I, I flew. I flew the in one ninety with Lot, for instance, the Polish Airlines. And in business class, you would have a free seat next to you if you under two row. And I was flying again, BA, so City Flyer, City Line, whatever the name is, to Ibiza. I was just in Ibiza for work, guys, for work. I promise you. <laughs> and, he hastens to add, <laughs> and uh, for a speech actually, and the. Um, and the seat next to me was uh, also taken. Turns out it was taken by someone who was going to the same conference. It was pretty oh, cool. That's but, funny. But meaning that uh, I, I, w- I was wondering if it's because it was city line, whatever, that they have a different rule than can allow themselves to just fill the plane without having to allocate a free seat. And again, it was a fine. I'm, I'm, here, I'm here. I'm not complaining. I'm, I found it interesting that some airlines will give you that free seat no matter which aircraft you're flying and some others won't yeah That's, it's was- I, I think the the major difference on the on even on the short haul in america is that you get a proper quote-unquote first class seat uh, yeah well that know, for sure so you know it, this was um, a, a significantly and substantially bigger seat in quote unquote first than it was in economy. So you only had room for one physical seat on one side and two on the other in the 175s, 170s, and 190s. Whereas with BA, it's still two, two. Because, and then they just move the, as they do on the 320s and 319s, they just move the divider up and up and. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's true that in Europe, we kind of get screwed over here, don't we? Flying, you know, any business class product, which is often the equivalent to what you call first class in the US, has no real, you know, advantage because, yeah. I mean, okay, you have a little bit more food and you might have that free seat if you're in like a, a 320, there's 33, for instance. But the seat is the same. So unless you're like row one, which I always take for my leg room, but then again, I can take emergency exit and that will be more often than not in economy and I will have the same leg room and I'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, that's what I've started doing on the recent trips I've done with BA is because they released the exit seats to gold card holders earlier. earlier, I just grab an exit row. Yeah, I'm not going to get the terrible food. Uh, and the only other consideration I have is is tier points and miles, but I'm easily going to hit gold again this year, so I don't even think about it. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm, I'm starting to do the same in Europe. Uh, but talking about that, so I was flying, as I said, from Athens to New York. That's one of the trips I've done. And so I couldn't find – it was really complicated to find something that works. So I ended up doing – and sorry, American friends, because it was almost a middle finger to U.S. Airlines, because I flew on the way there with Qatar Airways and the way back with Emirates. Right? Wait, so, so <laughs> what was your routing again to be able to do it? Yeah, it's it's the, the routing, especially on the way there, is a bit stupid, because from Athens I had to fly to Doha, and then Doha – 
JFK. And then on the way back is uh, Newark to Athens because it's one of the fifth freedom routes they have. And then from Athens flew to London. It was com- completely stupid. But I mean, I mean, fun at the same time because come on, we left, like traveling it was a good challenge to find that specific deal. That's cool. So it allowed me to fly from Athens leaving at 8 p.m. The flight was delayed. I'll come to that in a minute. To Doha, which flight was at 1 a.m. and I landed at 8.40 a.m., a bit earlier, actually, 8.20 a.m., the flight was early in JFK. So that's perfect because I landed and I went to my board meeting and my client at 10 a.m. So that was actually absolutely freaking perfect because that's it so was great. almost I was I was commuting to, to New York. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And, and then I took the flight back with Emirates. So to be the fair, I couldn't find a fare that was really well done. So uh the fare with Emirates on the way back I used uh, miles to 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 pay for it because it was otherwise way too expensive. But interestingly Athens to JFK non-return was actually very, it was in business class, was actually very good. And talking about the seat, the Athens Doha leg was done with a 320. And to your point, it was a larger seat. Uh, of course, not like flat or anything, but it was a larger seat. It was uh, more comfortable. It, and you like, when you compare that to like any, and it's here's not a dig at BA, any of the airlines in Europe, and I yes. flew Lufthansa, and I flew Swiss, and I flew... Which other? I flew to three other airlines. Uh, I don't remember them now. They always the seat is like the same that in the back. So there's really no reason. In that case, is you know it was actually nice to have that 320 with a larger seat. It was still on the four hour flight. It's not a short short flight. No. Right? By the way, what did you? And I'll come back to my story. What did you have to go to Moscow because that's also like a three four hours flight, right? So uh, I did actually went via um, Amsterdam. I did London oh, yeah. City Amsterdam SVO on. Whatever KLM City Jet, KLM City Jet, and then regular KLM service. But on the way back, I did. Thank you for reminding me. This is the day, and I, you know, I feel like you had one of these as well, where I woke up in Moscow, had breakfast in London, cocktails (laughs) in Miami, and dinner in Monterey, Mexico, and then my brain exploded. But I did, (laughs) I did the mid hole BA three twenty one in business, which is a club world product. So you yeah. get the, I had the throne seat with the big IFE, you get the full meal service, you get a uh, club world. So international business class, tier point and mileage accrual. I was too tired to even enjoy it, to really enjoy it. It's only like three and a half hours anyway, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. having a great IFE selection and, and I mean, you've done that as well. Yep. Um, and it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's what it should be. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to want it to go to like, you know, Amsterdam in 42 minutes. But for three hours, it was. It but was it's, interesting that you, it's interesting that the IFE was working because remember when I was telling oh, the stories yeah. of taking the, the 321, the BMI, the ex BMI one. So these were live flats. Uh, I was flying from Beirut to London and the, the IFE was off. It was just, the, you know, the BSI, not even the moving map, which interestingly, again, we we will invite at some point. We say always oh, say we will invite. We'll invite at some point someone who talks about the IFE rights because it was very awkward not to being able to watch yeah. anything on the IFE. Just, I also had it to Rome, I think, once from BA, which is also surprising. It's only two hours, maybe just a aircraft change or something. Yeah, I think it's there's some very specific routes where they apply them, but then I think when push comes to shove, they reallocate them because they're reasonably high density in economy. Yeah, exactly. So back to so, so, so I'm in Athens. So Athens Airport has improved quite. 
sensitivity. I think I've already mentioned that because I must have been to Athens 25 million times since the beginning of the year, so I don't got to dwell on this one. But it's really a security. Everything now is a bit like Gatwick, you know, with uh, e-gates. You put your password oh, for the boarding great. pass. It opens, opens, opens. It's just fast, 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 right? They the even now put for, if you go extra Schengen, which was my case here, they even put now e-gates at that security oh, point. What uh, a joy. They, they're not always open yet. Clearly, it's a trial or something. There's only four, but I mean, they're fast. I mean, again, the fastest ones are probably the ones in, in Munich, but they're super fast. So if you have a biometric passport, it's actually f- really fantastic. And more airports should be doing this because it yes. really helps, helps and not copycat the machines we have in the UK because they're still very slow. Um, so I'm, I'm at a counter. And uh, I had the seats, you know, you know, when I was booking my Qatar flight, I was like, uh, where, which seats do I have? And the first, the 320 had 2F and then the 350, uh, flying like 13 hours and the th- 14 hours and the 350. What a magnificent story it is. Oh, yeah. I had a 7A and I go to the check-in because I had a luggage because I was, and I'm probably going to do that in the next episode because it's very interesting. I was traveling with podcast equipment. So I had two microphones, boom arms and everything with me. And I did... During that flight, I did. I was in Sofia, I was in Athens, I was in Doha, I was in New York, I was again in Athens, I was in London, and I was in another city. And I always, so I had this with me, and it was a very good experiment about how security would react because it's kind of what is this, right? Yeah. And some securities, were, I mean, anyway. So I'm, a, I'm at the, the just needed the, the 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 boarding pass because Qatar wasn't allowing mobile boarding passes right. in Athens, and <laughs> I come there. And the girl says, oh, uh, you're in 2F. Do you want 1F? I'm like, oh, yeah. And then uh, the other one was 7A. She says, do you want 1A? And it was like, marry me? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, <laughs> she understood that I liked the front row in both flights. Anyway, <laughs> and uh, so the route was very interesting. Uh, but you know what? The route was, again, one of these uh, bizarre routes because of the blockade. It's uh, It was a four-and-a-half-hour flight or something because we had to reroute, and we couldn't go straight because, again, Saudi Arabia is blocking Qatar Airways. It's very strange. You look at a moving map, and you go all the way north of Greece, over Turkey, and you basically surpass everything, and then you follow the the Arabian Sea, and you, you end up in, in Qatar. So that, that's, I mean, if you don't know about it, you don't really kind of feel it because, you know, you've been said your flight is four hours and most yeah. of the people won't even care. But I was we were watching a movie, Mac, I'm like, oh, this is clearly not the fastest route. And then, I've, you know, I realized that, oh, obviously, Qatar Airways still has to deal with that shit. So, yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> so the interesting, other, the ultra interesting bit that we can always hint at in many episodes, the entire business class cabin, besides me, were Chinese. All Chinese on Athens on to Doha. Uh, exactly, they were all then connecting to China because there was this woman next to me. She wasn't speaking, and most of the guys in the cabin weren't speaking a single word of English. Only Chinese. Uh, you know, China. There's two reasons for there's now. Um, like in other uh, European countries, there's a fast track to residency. So you have a Schengen visa mm-hmm. if you buy a flat in Athens. So I have a flat in Athens myself, and the two streets next to me are basically Chinatown now. Three years ago, they were not. Uh, because I think if you buy 250,000 euros a flat, you get residency, permanent residency in Greece. It's not citizenship, but then you have Schengen visa, which is a pain to do. For, for those of you who don't live in Europe, and you have to do... Deal with the the two billion pages of the Schengen visa. It's amazing, right? So the entire, and then I realized how even Qatar, the guys, you know, the crew was superb, young, very good, very willing, engaging. I love them, 
but how unprepared we are with that wave of Chinese tourism. Yeah. Because no, none of them were speaking any Chinese. The communication was really hard. She was trying to speak to me. She was very nice. And I was like trying to babble something by five words in, in Chinese, wow. in Mandarin. It's, uh, it was, uh, it's not only, it's striking. It's striking because it's coming. We know that so someday China will completely unrestrict the, the travel um, restrictions for Chinese. And that will create like a whole new havoc for airlines to deal with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you, you that's really interesting that they were... Entire, entire, entire. And they, but I, I remember she was, she was asking me because I think she was a bit kind of not lost, but unsure. She was, are you transferring to... I think they were going to Shanghai. I don't remember now. And she was probably meaning... Can I walk with you at Doha Airport to go to the? And I said, no, sorry, I'm going to New York. And that that was it. So probably, you know, again, there's no Chinese language on the signs in Doha no. uh, yet. They will yeah, probably yet, do it exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's because in Cyprus Airport, uh, Larnaca, very small. Obviously, there is already in Chinese. Even the PA announcements are in Chinese. Now. Wow. Um, so very wow. good flight, very nice flight. The IFE is pretty good. Everything. I mean, you you guys know that. The thing is, the flight was late. And I only had 55 minutes, 55 minutes to connect to my New York flight. And I was getting a bit antsy. I'm yeah. like, my God, because if I miss that New York connection, then, of course, I miss my meeting. That was my whole point, actually, going to New York. Yeah, yeah. To go to that meeting. Oh, God, I hate that. It's and, stressful. But it, it worked. Uh, so I we, we arrive. We have a gate. Uh, we don't no bus because sometimes in Doha with non-premium, I mean, it's a huge airport. Usually you have a bridge, but sometimes you have a bus. No, we had a... We had a, a bridge, and there was someone waiting for me, actually. So that was another thing that was pretty cool. Wow. Someone waited for me uh, and walk, simply walked. That's the thing. It wasn't really useful, but they didn't know whether you know it's an Alex Hunter that knows his way around or if it's like some random person that's never flown to Doha. Mm. Simply walked with me through. They have an internal security, which is pretty efficient, and walked to that other gate. I was the last passenger to arrive at that gate. And you know what? I... Finally, I'm not sure it's a good thing, but I finally uh, experienced the, uh, the extreme vetting rules for flights that go to the US. Yeah. My God, you know, they literally swiped every single stuff within my suitcase. When my suitcase, my carry-on was completely emptied, I had to go twice one to an X-ray and one through one of these, you know, machines, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Scatter. You yeah. yeah. Backscatter. So it took me 25 minutes. Well, maybe not. I'm exaggerating. 20 minutes to clear that security bit and wow. i was looking i mean i knew that at that point i would make my fight because i was there but yeah, i mean they, I and they know you're there yeah but i understood why the guy who was waiting for me was walking super fast i thought oh maybe i'm gonna miss my flight because my flight is about to close the door no it's because of extreme vetting uh, procedures that are happening so wow. well so be be aware guys if you if you fly to 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 the US I mean we mentioned that we know that it exists but uh it's a bit it's not upsetting you know very polite very cool guys plus you know I'm always polite as well so I'm you know engaging and I make them smile and whatever but yeah, really yeah. really really tough So yeah and then the flight you know 13 hours in a 350 you know 350 is great aircraft yeah, really and, and and you know the, the product in Qatar for that is one of the best in the world is was really fantastic so honestly Nothing, nothing else I will add about that is really absolutely fantastic. The one thing that I saw and I told you that I heard in both these flights is that instead of saying boarding completed when, you know, everybody is on board, they say all customers on board. 
So small, but so powerful. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 I felt that as well. And of course, going to the US, same thing with the moving map. I saw we were you know, going up that uh, one of the two paths they are allowed to use to, 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 to escape. Get out of the <laughs> yeah, anyway. That, uh, yeah, that's why they, they're still, you know, they are, they are planning to, to lease other aircrafts to even what BA to, I think, to replace the, is it to replace the, the, the Dreamliners that still have issues with Rolls-Royce or something? Uh, I think, yeah, just general that. capacity issues that are being addressed. Yeah. By the way, IAG is still bidding on Norwegian since we're talking about uh, 787s. Yeah, and I think That's Norwegian have told them to do one three <laughs> times now. <laughs> I think the last bid was 1.5 billion. I, I, I don't have it in front of me, guys, because I guess my notes are a disaster. But yeah, they're still interested. Yeah, and Lufthansa are as well. Yeah. Oh, Lufthansa. I'm going to talk about Lufthansa next time because of Frankfurt, because I had yeah, great yeah. experiences with Lufthansa because I flew first class for the first time in my life with Lufthansa. Um, but flying Norwegian these days, I mean, I've seen on the ground in JFK, because JFK is, uh, of course, one of the destinations from uh, Norwegian, but also at Gatwick, when I was flying to Barcelona, Gatwick being also being one of the destination points for Norwegian. Yes. Basically, nowadays, you, f- you, you want to fly Norwegian and you end up flying Titan or some strange airline because they have these problem with uh, their their Rolls-Royce engines on 787. Yeah, I think that there was a few there's a few issues and I think yeah, the engines are uh, are one of them, but also I just think that there's selling before they have the capacity to sell in some regards. A friend of mine who I bumped into recently, actually at Gatwick was about to fly on them to New York and ended up being on Waymosh Air on a 747 <laughs> and he said I'm reading this tweet. Flying back from New York to to the UK on effing, he didn't say effing, Waymos, worst (laughs) airline ever. Thanks, Norwegian, you suck. If I wanted to fly in a 1980s shed, I would have booked one. Uh, And he said, there's a great, uh, he said, none of the crew spoke English. Oh uh, my God. And posted a, uh, yeah, and I'll I'll post a link or we can retweet it on uh, on the layovers Twitter account this review that he found that mirrored his experience and it's it's it would be hilarious if it wasn't so tragic <laughs> i saw an airline i had never seen also on the ground for norwegian it was a the name of the airline is privilege style and privilege it's one of these style it sounds like a, <laughs> a discount clothing brand exactly and i mean the, the, the look at on airliners.net and it, it also looks like a discounted like airline like like the, the delivery is from the 1960s probably and what i'm hearing as well on reviews in that the seats are also from the 1960s which by the way there's only apparently there's only one you know, redeeming quality in flying that specific, uh, it was a 777-200 uh, ER. Um, apparently, the one specific thing that is better on that is that when you book premium economy on on Norwegian, you have a premium economy. Apparently, privileged style has older but still proper first-class seats. So you would have a lot of legroom. It's old seats, so you're not life flat or whatever, but I mean, you're not life flat or premium economy on Norwegian anyway. Right. But you have at least, but the rest, apparently, disaster. There was food that was missing. I mean, apparently, you know. So I, I'm not here making a dig at, at Norwegian. It's just that they really are in the process of having all their aircraft being checked, and that creates a big 
problem. And I understand that if you're a customer, because the website in origin is so well done showing why you will fly and how the seat moves. And then you arrive and you have that, you're like, what? what, what? Yeah, I yeah. think I think it's it's much more likely if you're flying New York, this is a high density route than than some of the other places that no region fly to. But it's still, I think at this point, inexcusable. Yeah. Uh, Rolls-Royce has put out a, a press release finally because they're feeling the heat because it's really the, you know I was in when I was in Haneda twice I saw Dreamliners without the engines on the ground yeah they're every yeah there's a bunch of ANA ones at yeah, Haneda exactly yeah uh, at Heathrow there's loads of Virgin Atlantic yeah. ones yeah it's it's really a big story honestly how can this not I, be bankrupting Rolls-Royce that's what I don't <laughs> understand. I, I, again, because I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how the old structure works. Because if uh, a Rolls Royce, and we don't know, these are only assumptions and you know hypotheses. But if Rolls Royce is able to say that a specific piece is the responsible, they're going to lay the blame on whoever yeah, provider. Because you know, yeah, it's one of these things where like parts are coming from all around the world, assembled, et cetera, et cetera. So they they, they put out a, a an update, so a press release, finally addressing the situation and saying that. They are undertaking everything they can, and they apparently found a solution for the Trent 1000, which is the engine that has issues. So, yeah, let's see where that yields, but the problem is still there. So, guys, if you fly any of the airlines that promise you a Dreamliner, you might not fly Dreamliner. You might not be, although, yeah. Although I did, you know, uh, Haneda, Bangkok, and back, I was both times in a 789, so Dreamliner-9. I don't know if those had already been repaired or they were about to, which you never know. I mean, I was not scared of it ever because it's not as if, guys, it's not as if the engine will explode midair, right? It's not, yeah. but it's still you concerning do enough. It. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. You, you do. I mean, it's ANA, so you kind of feel that, oh, well, it's such a good airline. It shouldn't happen. But then again, how, how do you know? Well, exactly. How do you know? Well, let's talk briefly about that because it's interesting that if you ever fly ANA, and I know that you will fly again ANA at some point, Alex, because Definitely. Japan is, you know, hard now. By the way, we're both reading of the defeat of Japan yesterday uh, against Belgium. Heartbreaking. Yeah. But what a game. What a, what a game. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful game. And, a, and, a, and a, a game football can be proud of, which it certainly could not have been in the previous game that yesterday. Yeah. Oh, my God, Brazil. Uh, that's uh, Neymar. Uh, he's, no. he's, he's a roll source engine by himself. You know, he just, just rolls and rolls and rolls and rolls and rolls and rolls. And rolls, and rolls, and rolls. And rolls. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, sorry, President friends. We love you, but Neymar, now nah, come on. Nah, I can't. I mean, this is such a, it's such a way, such a talented player, yeah. but such a moron when he does that kind of stuff. You know, it's like, I, I hate him. Um, so if you fly ANA, if you fly on, they call that short, but I mean, come on, Haneda to Bangkok is six hours, just, five and like a half. Six hours? Jeez. <laughs> and they call it short Not haul. Exactly, like, short haul, is it? So if you fly to Dreamliner-8, so 787-8, or the Dash 9, there's a big difference, especially, of course, again, I was lucky to be flying in business class. Interestingly, they fly 10 minutes apart from Haneda on both and from Bangkok. So there's two flights leaving a 10 minutes difference. And one is a Dash 8 and one is a Dash 9. The thing is, the Dash 8 has two, two, two non-full life flight seats. So uh, still, you know, bigger seats, yeah. like more leg room, et cetera, et cetera. And then the Dash 9 as uh, a product you might have I've seen and experienced, uh, maybe even the 777, which is a full life flight seat. So I was like, well, in 10 minutes and for the same price, uh, of course I would go for the Dash 9. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you go for the other one? Absolutely. <laughs> and I, I wonder how many people know that though. I mean, you and I, we're the kind of people that obsessively research the product and we'll make a, we'll make a decision based on that. Was it, so <laughs> the pricing was negligible. 
Yeah, the pricing was almost the same. Like we were talking about a price of like 20, 30 euros difference, you know, really nothing. Uh, maybe because I was, I was booking in advance, maybe closer to the day would have been different. But the, the, the one thing though, and, and that's something I always loved about Japanese airlines in general, and you've experienced that, they give you all the freaking information possible. So offer, not only on the ground, but also on the website. So when you are on ANA and try to book that, then that's when I realized that. There was like, see the configuration of the plane. You press, you have seven, see the seat, you press, and then you actually yes, see the seats. So and I was good. like, seeing both of the seats, it was like, why would I take the Dash 8? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I mean, it's nothing against the Dash 8, you know, uh, Mark, I don't know which one you're going to fly. but uh, Oh, yeah, just... good question. <laughs> I, think, I, you know, I think they can go back and forth, can't they? Yeah, probably it's We're the same. Right? That, Mark. Well, I guess once you validate it with Streamliners, probably all of them. Well, I think I so. One would assume. Mark, we needed to have you again on the show to tell us how was your training for the – because I think he started officially flying. I think flying. he's flying, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think April was his uh, – kind of testing and may was co-piloting or something i don't remember so you must be flying for july so uh new destinations mark new book as well please. yeah new book please <laughs> so uh, you, you flew triple seven in in business class triple seven yes from london right from yeah london. so the seat is very similar but not exactly the same you know that the the tray yeah, yeah. that actually <laughs> that, that tray is a more normal one it comes from the side so you can see that they made some adjustments it's less an exotic seat. The interesting bit, which I really enjoyed, is that you arrived. It's such a short flight because it's they're both were red eyes. So both were like you leave at midnight and arrive at five in the morning. In the case of actually going to to Bangkok was four thirty. I landed four thirty, which is great to beat traffic, guys. Really, I mean, there's a reason I wanted to arrive because Bangkok traffic is one of the worst in the world. So you're at four thirty, and you get to the center in like half an oh, hour. There you go, <laughs> but. Interestingly, because they know that people want to sleep. Everything is on your seat when you arrive. Not only the duvet, they have a mattress. I mean, come on, they have a mattress. Wow. I mean, why, there's so many airlines, like a very comfortable one. It's, you know, it's Japanese. It's like Muji. It's very, it's not ostentatious, but it's, both are very well done. Yeah. The mask, the amenity kit, the amenity kit is very limited, but there's really one thing that I, I loved in, inside. There's a pack, and within that pack, there's one mint. One mint. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Anyway, and uh, so you see that people, as soon as they go in the plane, they want to sleep right away, and they understand that. So even the menu, they had uh, menus, of course, for if you want to eat something. The menu was mostly a breakfast one. So what would you like to eat when we are about to land? And they give you this card, which you have to fill, and it says, okay, do you want a Japanese version, Western version? Mm. And then do you want to be woken up or not? Of course. And you give that before takeoff. Very so the, meaning that when, because they know that as soon as we take off and I saw that, not only they dim the lights, but everybody, I saw they were already putting their seat in lifelight mode and not going to be disturbed because you're going to really have like five hours of yeah, sleep. Yeah, at the most. At the most, exactly. And it was perfect. On the way there, because I was watching the games, <laughs> I didn't almost didn't sleep. Oh, and I was, I was still jet lagged, so it was fine. Yeah. And I had an early check-in in my hotel, so I could actually check in at 6 a.m., like oh, 5.30. that's perfect. Yeah, exactly. So... I had a little bit of food, a food man. I had, you know, Wagyu bun. Oh my, so fantastic. My God, there's a food. I took the Japanese options, of course, every yeah. single time. And really, really amazing product. And the crew, man, that's what I, I see the difference from two years ago to today. Really? And uh, yeah, and as in the, um, you can see that they are training English more and more. Yes. I've noticed that in Japan in general, especially in, in general, Tokyo. Yeah, 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 I think yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah. definitely a, a concerted effort as they move towards the Olympics. The Olympics and and the, uh, the, the rugby as well. Yeah. Yeah. 
it was impressive. And there's the crew on the way back, so Bangkok to Haneda was even better with, because that was that flight I mentioned at the top of the show when I was watching Japan playing. And it was one of the only persons in the cabin awake because, again, everybody else wanted to sleep to probably go to work the next day in Tokyo. Yeah. And I was like pumping my fist when every time Japan <laughs> oh, uh, was yeah. marking a goal, they did too. And, uh, and the crew was like, at first she came to me like, and she was like eyeing my screen. And I was like, oh, do you want to score? That's the score. And then she was coming every five minutes. Oh, that's like, nice. And re, re, re-topping my drink, but of course wanting to score. So it was, they were really fantastic. I oh, mean, that's, yeah. ANA is such a great airline. They such, are. Such a such great love, airline. How lucky Japan is to have two great flagship airlines. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What a, what a fantastic experience both ways. And oh, last bit before back to you. Well, on the way back, I saw that game and then I went to sleep and I said, do not wake me up. And indeed, they did not wake me up until, and that's interesting, until 20 minutes before we landed. That was really the last possible moment. They wow. waited because some airlines will wake you 40, 45 minutes yeah. when the descent starts. That was literally, I woke up and I was like, oh shit, we're landing. <laughs> wow. That's nice, <laughs> so, though. It's yeah. nice that they did that. Yeah. Oh, since because we talked about that, the windows dimmed, non dimmed. Locked. <laughs> So no, actually I thought they were. So on the way from Tokyo to 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 Bangkok, they had already dimmed all the windows. And I was like, I don't see the airport. I want to take pictures. You know, although it was like middle of the night. They probably were locked at the beginning, but no were taxing. I was able to remove the dim. I mean, it's just, it's just slow sometimes that thing. Yeah, it for it to go. I don't know if like have you noticed if it if it like almost has to sort of warm up? Yeah. And yeah. then subsequent Dimmings and undimmings are faster? Or yeah. is that my imagination? No, you're right. I, I I think so. Because the first time, and that's probably also why I had this assumption they were locked. It was like, this thing is not working. And I was about to call the attendant. But then again, I was like, okay, it's Japan. You know, if the rule is it's locked, they're never going to do an exception for me. No, no, it was, you're right. Maybe that's it. I think Ma- it must. Mark, tell us. Yeah. I, I I mean, I love those. And I think it's interesting. I don't know if it's this, if it was the same on Qatar, but certainly on Cathay's A350s, it's a normal up and down. Yeah. That's a, yeah. it's an interesting choice. I wonder if the if the the new 779, is it the 779? X10. 77X, whatever it is going to be, will have the dimmables or if it'll have the, uh, the, oh, the yeah. standards. Um, yeah. Whether the 787 is going to be an anomaly for that. It's more pain than it's worth. And I, I don't know if this, the 777, the new one, will also have these very large, because the 350 windows, okay, it's Airbus, it's in between, right? It's yeah. bigger, but it's not as they're, big as the ones. No. But they're already very agreeable, the 10350. Uh, the 350, already, already. Yeah, the 350 is wonderful. I'm flying on a 787 on Sunday, so I'm looking forward to pressing BA. my face against the window and enjoying the world. BA? BA, yep. So let's go. I mean, guys, as you know, because we have to move forward, I'll come back to the trip, especially with any of the few other things I want to mention about the airport, because, of course, Haneda is amazing. There's a few new things. Next episode, probably. So BA, you're going to fly BA, but you flew BA. I did. That was not that great, right? Yeah. I'm going to preempt this by saying this isn't a first world problem. It's just... It's all everything's relative, everything's context. I appreciate how lucky I am. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> so, as part of the ticket that I told you guys earlier, that I found one of the legs was in first on BA, and th- this is interesting to me, and I think it reflects the quality of the product. A, a seat in first on a BA seven forty seven when you buy it on American Airlines is maybe forty percent cheaper than on a 
a Dreamliner or a 380. Wow. Yeah. So I think that was that, that's very telling. And I was excited because I love the 747, and that's kind of what made up for it, this otherwise not wonderful experience. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard like I, and I was I, I think I told told you this that I was I was doing a a, a little video of my experience mm-hmm. for attache because we sometimes do these little asides and I gave up halfway across the Atlantic because I was just like there's nothing special about this <laughs> I'm, I can't get excited about it and I'll, so I'll, I'll tell you why the the physical seat is 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 tired it's um it's like a it's an it's a normal seat that uh, Maybe Cathay had uh, in business a few years ago that that reclines. You've got a, a, a wardrobe next to you, which really can't hold anything because it's it's too shallow. <laughs> I was in two or two a uh, two F or two whatever the K must be because it's the last seat. So you're in the nose and you're in the curve, which is wonderful and it's lovely to be in a 747. That was not diminished in any way, shape at all. Uh, you're right above the nose wheel and it's loud as hell loud as hell when that thing comes down and the roar of the wind uh, if you don't appreciate aviation it's probably annoying as hell but for me it's a, it's a visceral reminder that you are going extremely fast <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, over the ground um the food was very mediocre it, it was uh, actually it was one of the worst premium meals i've ever had in my life it no was disgusting. way yeah oh um ah. the service was how do I say this without sounding like a jerk? Too almost too friendly and familiar and chatty and casual, which wow. would have been fine, but the this this person didn't know anything about the product at all. <laughs> and I fi- I discovered why, which I'll 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 tell you in a minute, but she didn't know the menu at all. She didn't even know what some of the menu items were, like a, a kind of curry that is on every Indian takeaway in the UK. She didn't know what it was. Didn't know what an Americano was. What? I said, I can have an Americano. She's like, was that like a cappuccino? And I was like, no. Because <laughs> they've got these great little, ca- um, you know, proper coffee espresso machines yeah, on yeah. NBA yeah, yeah. and first. Yeah. Um, and just the IFE was horrendous. It was the really old, old Rockwell Collins IFE, so the Nintendo, was whatever the, the resolu- portable, yeah. you know, the screen, the size of that, the yeah. portable thing we had in the nineties, right? Really yeah. bad. My light kept spazzing out, like it would just flicker on and off. Wow. Um, and I, like I said, I just gave up on the con- no, no Wi-Fi, of course. And it, yeah, it was just, it was just very, very underwhelming. And I, I looked around and thought, yeah, so there's. 12 seats somebody here paid full price for this and i don't know how they can be happy with it i would have been yeah. very very disappointed yeah myself there was nothing the wine list compared to to emirates was you know pedestrian again please i'm not a snob it's just it's relative to the experiences right you're comparing yeah. you're comparing a car to a car a meal to a meal it's not like well you're in first class stop complaining that's not what this is about correct at the end of the flight, when we landed in Miami, it was the end of the world. The storm, oh. there was a huge storm, absolutely gargantuan storm that shut the airport down. Because when they have thunderstorms, as they rightly should, all ground handling staff, anybody has to be inside. They cannot yeah. be on the airfield. It's too yep. dangerous because of lightning strikes. Yep. And we sat on the tarmac for about an hour. 
while the airport was closed. And you cannot get mad about that. It's frustrating, but you can't get mad about yep. it. There's, yeah, no, no, there's, there's nothing to do. Yeah. There's no, no one's in any control about it. They did Correct. a really good job of, uh, of explaining the situation. When we turned after they finally opened up the airport and the plane that was in our gate was able to leave, there must have been, without exaggeration, 50 American Airlines planes in queues. Wow. Wow. They, were, they were queued up on the runways trying to make room for other planes taxiing. And a guy got up as we were taxiing to go to the bathroom and got into a, a very aggressive verbal altercation with the, uh, with the crew. Because the crew asked him to, to sit, sit down. down. Yeah. Oh my god. And they took his name, and it was it was. I think I think the U.S. doesn't the U.S. has a rule that uh, all passengers may be seated on, upon, until disembarkation. As in, it was a security rule that was done after the shoe bomber or something, yes. whatever, back in the day. That uh, you know, at some point it was like you cannot even read a book, and then they kind of backtrack on that bit. And but they say you're not supposed to congregate. You're not supposed to. Yep. Do anything, yeah. They, right? they and and the guy was, uh, but was, still, I mean, come on, you go into the bathroom. He man. was unnecessarily aggressive, but the response was was unnecessarily aggressive as well. So it was, uh, it was, it was pretty awkward. It was pretty awkward you know, to uh, to experience that. And I, you know, and that was the time. That was the flight where I flew back with uh, American. I think I can't remember, but it wasn't. It just wasn't. They need to up their game massively. The product on those airplanes because they're not gonna they're not gonna upgrade them for ages. And I, uh, it was just not not good at all, at all. Oh well, I'm just uh, ang- I'm just uh, not on reflection. I'm just angry about it because it was it, it could have been so much better. And then I, going to experience American was the final nail in the coffin because now when I do those anywhere routes, on the eastern yeah. seaboard, I'm gonna fly American and not BA. And I love BA. I really do. Otherwise, I wouldn't keep flying on them. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. I will talk more about B in the next episode because we're running out of time uh, because you have a hard stop. So we'll cover a few more things and then we'll do maybe actually, guys, there's a possibility we'll record a second episode in a row, which means tomorrow, which then will be out like maybe a week after this one. We're not sure yet because we're trying not to normally do too close together. Otherwise, you know, they eat each other's. But I, I, you yeah, know, yeah. I've, seen, I've, I've seen the stats and the stats have exploded when we're not actually recording uh, because uh, and, you know, random, you have people from Stavanger, of course, Stavanger, because every freaking flyer flies out of yeah, Stavanger. Yeah, exactly. So we're <laughs> someone sitting in an airport lounge waiting for their return flight so they can grab that great fare. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we'll we'll record because Alex then moves, uh, lives for the US is where he's, you're going to stay there for a couple of months, right? Yep. So of course, you will have your microphone. So we'll be able to record. I'm not flying a lot this summer, thank God, actually, because honestly, you know, I, I love flying. I really do. And you guys, you know, you know, I'm like super passionate and positive about it. But I've been literally six days in London over the last two months. And I'd like to, you know, just enjoy it. Plus, you know, have you seen the weather, Alex, in London? Oh, For once, we actually have a true freaking Mediterranean summer. weather. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's absolutely wonderful. So, so many flights to still cover uh, next episodes, probably, because there's so many others. Uh, I'm just going to give you a hint, I, which I hinted at actually just earlier. Uh, I also flew 747, but the, the Dash 8 with Lufthansa in first class in the nose with that noise of the gear going up okay. and down. That was, uh, again, apple to apple, so first-class experiences. It was a very, 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 very good one. I'll talk about it in the next uh, probably episode. It was fantastic. Before we go to the airport, a few reviews because we, we've got – guys, that's one thing we need to apologize. We've gotten so many messages, whether on Twitter, whether, of course, on Facebook, email, et cetera, et cetera, that probably we didn't see them all. 
And we won't be able to mention you all because usually we try to mention people that make the effort. So I'm going to mention a few here. And really, if we didn't see your message, message us again. And really sorry that we don't mention you because without you guys, I mean, you know, for us, if we we talk in front of a microphone, we didn't realize that so many people, people would actually would love. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we really and every time we we see a a message or a, or a review pop up on iTunes, we're genuinely touched. Yeah, so let's do the iTunes ones. Um, first one, uh, they're all five stars. Thank you so much, guys. The first one's called, I love the title, My Breakfast Dessert is a Podcast. <laughs> uh, from Jonas uh, from Lithuania. Greetings from Lithuania. I listen to the podcast while I'm commuting to work on my bicycle. So thank you for We like being desserts. So it's, a, we're, it's very sweet from you, uh, <laughs> actually, <laughs> Jonas. You probably are the same. Jonas, I don't know, because maybe not, that wrote us on Facebook. And he said that given that you're pretty big foodies, I think that applies more to you, Alex, but I don't really like the term foodie. But no, let's no, have, neither do I. Yeah, yeah. I just like food. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and we both like food. Exactly. He would definitely recommend the new route Qatar has been doing since February, Doha to Penang, Malaysia, on oh. the Dreamliner. Apparently, the food is out of this world. Uh, so, yeah, well, uh, Penang is on my list to do. I was about to go in April. I couldn't make it. It was not especially with uh, Qatar Airways, but I'm... Really looking forward to do that one. And of course, the, the food over there is amazing. I know that. That's a lovely place. Apparently, it's becoming a tech hub. This is also interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's T-I-L. like working spaces. And maybe it's a new Bali. I don't know. There you go. There you there go. You go. Well, yeah, maybe. Right? Another uh, five stars. Walks in the city uh, from the UK. This one, a smart, witty, and just great entertainment. And he says he's making his way. I'm assuming is a he. Maybe he's a she. Sorry. Uh, through the back catalog. Whoa. Keeps every time we I, hear that, I'm like, how? <laughs> he says, I don't get to fly as much as you guys, but you still sound like you get exactly as excited as, as I do every time I step on an aircraft. That's uh, that enthusiasm come across in your show. And yeah, you know what? I, I think we both still are kids where we go every single time we go in an aircraft. I'm still five years old. Absolutely. Yeah, no, me too. Me too. That, that doesn't go away. I, I just, I love it. I absolutely yeah. love it. Uh, best travel podcast from Alt Johnson One in the US. Uh, this podcast, and that's very nice. This podcast has helped to relight my desire to travel again, starting with San Jose this week, then off to the Caribbean, London in the fall, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Wait, <laughs> uh, did gro- he, San Jose this week? Oh, wow, cool. Uh, yeah, growing up, I lived right next to Midway Airport in Chicago. Seeing aircraft take off and land started my joy of aviation, and this podcast captures that joy in every episode. My eight-year-old son and I listened to it while driving around it has helped start his interest with seeing the world well, i need to watch my language then yeah, exactly i mean first of all we're Sorry, trying dude. we're not trying not to swear because some of the podcast listening now listings uh i don't want to have the explicit language kind of logo no. whatever so uh and also spotify we're about to get listed, I hope, soon, and they will, you know, so we'll promise you. We'll, uh, Alt Johnson, I don't know what's your first name, but we'll clearly be very careful with using our language. I'm really sorry. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, and hi to your son, if he's listening. That's so Yeah, it's cool. a great thing. Great thing. I really appreciate that. He loves aviation. Uh, loving travel yeah. is very important. Uh, best Aviation Podcast by Sergey uh, from Muc uh, in uh, the U.S. I don't know if by Muc... That means Munich, because that's how I read it when I see MUC, but probably not yeah. because in the US. <laughs> I really feel like I am at the airport every time I press play. 
that's actually really cool. Uh, you learn something uh, new in every episode. Even though I'm a pretty passionate AV geek, you deserve a lot more listeners. Keep up the amazing quality. Thank you so much, Sergei. That's very, yeah, thank very you. nice. I mean, thank you again, guys, taking the time to do that. You don't have to, but for us, it's, you know, that's the only kind of feedback we have is your messages. So we really enjoy that. Yeah. And uh, last one, come on. The best aviation podcast out there. I mean, that's too much, man. Uh, from Pooty Lee from the US. Uh, that was very recently, uh, a week ago. Cannot speak highly enough about this podcast. For anyone interested in the aviation industry, this is a must in capital letters. Uh, we complement each other very well, Alex. See? <laughs> that's kind. <laughs> we have fun. Can you tell? Yeah, yeah. We have, we have, we have fun. I mean, you can, you can, we can hear that. Uh, actually, you know what? I was uh, in Bangkok and <laughs> this... Literally, it was, it was a massive conference. I don't know, it's five, ten thousand people, tech conference, the biggest, I think, in Thailand. And this person comes to me and shakes my hand and it's like, I'm a big fan of layovers. Oh, that's <laughs> <What>? so cool. <laughs> so that's, I don't remember your name, man, because I have it in my notes somewhere, but I don't have them in front of me. Please rewrite me a message. But that was really, really, really so cool to, to come and to say hello, because I really, really like that. That's so and, cool. And another friend of mine, I was in Sofia this time, she's called Valentina. And it was the first time I met her. I said, oh, so good to meet you, la, la, la. And then she says, well, I was speaking to one of my best friends yesterday. It's called Slavo Tuleja. And I remember his name because your name, Slavo, appeared in some of the messages. And he tells me that it is you that is behind the Layover podcast. Wow. I'm like, what, guys? It's just a podcast. <laughs> That's so cool. That's so nice to hear. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it is. Other messages next episode, guys, because there's uh, other reviews on Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. But again, thank you so much. And really, again, our apologies if we don't mention you. It's probably because we've missed it. We've been in planes all the time. Yeah. And all the Wi-Fi is better. Sometimes, you know. Yeah, yeah talk, exactly. we'll, talk about, we'll talk about Wi-Fi in the next episode as well. Because I want, I'm really interested to see your experiences in the U.S. If you had a good Wi-Fi. And maybe on your upcoming flight uh, as well. So let's go to Mali. Yes, uh, so, I've never been. Yeah, to the Maldives. I've never been either. Uh, Although my father was stationed there in the Air Force. That's wow. In the, in the Maldives, yeah. Like in the Maldives proper or under the, the British bases that are like uh, below it? He was on GAN, G-A-N, which uh, is part of the Maldivian Atoll. Because uh, if you look at, go guys on Google Maps, and you see the, uh, the Maldives is pretty special for that. It's really an atoll. So really the, the highest point in the Maldives must be like 2.5 meters, right? Yeah. It's like literally right above the water. There's another atoll south of the Maldives. Again, Google Maps go pure south, and it's blanked out on, on Google Maps because it belongs to the UK. Uh, they lend it to the US uh, for US force bases. Uh, and you cannot see what it is. And I'm like, this is such a shame. Not that I'm anti-army or whatever, but I mean, it's such a shame the UK could have like its own Maldives right there. Yeah. And it's uh, used to, to, to fight wars. I mean, I get it, but yeah, not. Uh, so the Maldives, yeah, it was my dream to do once in my lifetime. These, uh, you know, the, you know, the postcard thing, you know, the, 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 the color of the, the sea. And I was not disappointed. The color of the beaches, I was not disappointed. And, you know, especially these water villas, you know, like over, oh, you know, like, so so, cool. oh my God. So I went with my significant other. We went there. It was absolutely fantastic. Booked everything on my miles. It was the single most miles I've ever used <laughs> for a trip because I booked everything with miles. So it was Emirates because it worked. Uh, because interestingly enough, although it's a very popular destination as well from the UK, BA only flies uh, seasonally. 
the last flight was literally a week before I wanted to go because I was really at the turn of the season. I was lucky the weather was good and everything, but it was really at the turn of the season. And BA doesn't fly uh, from Gatwick. They do fly and they don't fly. Other airlines do the same. And But Emirates and Qatar and others fly all the time there. I will tell the story about how I flew there in the next episode, again, for the sake of time, because Alex is an appointment to go to soon, but it was including first class on Emirates. So next time will be a lot of, you you guys will be hearing a lot of first class, your Lufthansa, yeah, Emirates. Uh, the premium episode. <laughs> but the airport, man, because that's the point of this uh, this segment, you know, because I'll talk about the Maldives again in other shows as well. But the, the airport, it's 30 years ago, it was a shed. Literally a shed. Um, a significant other told me uh, she went there 25 years ago, I think, 25 years ago. And it was literally like a shed. It was like a, a wooden thing on one of these islands. And they had built a runway. And that's it. That was literally it. Now, it is an airport, but it is still like um, very small, right? It's not that small. It's concrete now. <laughs> there's still a single runway. Interestingly, there's no taxiway. So uh, oh, they do it like they do at Lucy. Yeah, so you have uh, you have these peak because I, I was flying a triple seven, right? So it's not small aircraft. So the the interesting bit is that it's an island itself next to Mali. Mali is the capital, which is an island itself as well. Mali is the capital, and next to it they have an island, and the island is the runway, basically, is the airport because that's you know that go again on Google Maps is very telling and very impressive. You have an island which is made of sand, and you have a big runway on it. And that's it. That's it. So they, they were limited by how they could build an airport, obviously, because, again, it's an atoll. And so you land there, and, yeah, you have to do the turn at the end and then taxi back to the airport, which is in the middle of the runway. Wow. Uh, so that limits the number of, uh, of uh, flights that go there, obviously landings per hour if you want and also there's no almost no parking so you see like these big fat triple sevens qatar and aeroflot and and they're like parked next to each other there's no bridge or whatever so you have to go back downstairs and they're like literally super super close and when they leave it's like a whole you know ballet of trying to get out and then oh going gosh. back to the runway and turning at the very end which is also very you know it's always so cool when they do that especially with big aircraft you see you know how they can turn so fast and so like in such a limited space you're like He's never going to make it. My car couldn't make that. And yeah. of course, it goes in. The ballet around. is a perfect, perfect way of describing the movements. Absolutely. And the whole descent and obviously a takeoff as well is amazing because you're literally flying over the atoll. So, and you're oh, seeing wow. these pristine waters, the color of the water there is, it's, you know, it's really unique. I, I didn't really believe that before, you know, you know, because there's, I've seen, you've seen as well, amazing beaches, places uh, around the world. And I'm like, yeah, it is kind of special. I will admit that because of the configuration of it. But you're flying over that and you land, for, it seems forever. And you see, because again, the weather is bright and you see these atolls, most of them uninhabited, by the yeah, way. There's yeah. still no one there, right? And it's, it's so, so, so stunning. The airport will see, is underseeing actually, a uh, complete renovation. So they have Chinese money, <laughs> duh. Uh, everybody seems to have Chinese money these days. And uh, they are building another runway slightly longer next to it. So right now they're reclaiming land. So basically they're putting sand over the sea to reclaim the land. Yeah. And the current runway will become the taxiway. So because they're ah. seeing an increase in um, tourism, which is... You know, completely insane. I think there was like 1 million 10 years ago, like 7 million. It's little small numbers compared because, of course, it's an expensive just, destination. And it's a right? small, physically a small place. 
Yes, uh, it's large in terms of you know geography because all these islands are scattered around. But it's true that this is like not a huge country uh, no. in, in itself. But they're still seeing a lot of increase, so they're building this new runway. They will also build a new terminal. You can see a lot of construction around. But I mean, currently it's almost you know it's it's actually cold because it's a you really feel you're going to a holiday. The airport is kind of. You know, it's like in the open air, most of it. So you're walking and it's like 30 degrees Celsius and you're working and you do security. Uh, sorry, and passport control is very, not lenient, but like, you know, you feel like in the holidays. It's very, very nice, actually. Nice. I enjoyed that. The, the interesting bit is what I did afterwards, because then I wanted to connect to the island. So every, basically, if you go to a hotel... A resort, should I say, in the Maldives, usually they have all their own island, basically, right? So you have a set of islands that are close enough to Mali. Again, Velana Airport is the actual name of the airport, Mali Airport. So you can take boats to go there, like uh, small boats in 20 minutes and you are in your hotel. Of course, I chose something that was very far. Why? Because I wanted to do the seaplane. Of course. <laughs> so that's another terminal set. So you go out of the first one, they welcome you. You, have, you can already check in uh, from there's two air, two airlines, Trans Maldivian and the other one, and you can already check. Then they drive you to that other the sea terminal, and you see all those seaplanes, you know, attached uh, to on the sea, and it's so amazing. And you're like, wow, this is so so very cool. <laughs> I had a okay, it was a cool resort, but most of the resorts have their own lounge there, so we're not talking even airport lounge. It's my own hotel resort lounge overseeing these takeoffs from these um dhc3 you know that these are the, the seaplanes they're using this is this is an experience you have to do oh, <laughs> in your lifetime man. actually you know there's i just said there's one runway the concrete one but if you go on the official website of the airport they tell you they have seven runways because obviously there's a lot of sea runways there you don't see them because they're just they're virtual almost yeah exactly so and you know it's literally the same you enter the you enter the plane so it was these planes are probably i would say 16 people plus two pilots and one staff there's no service or whatever guys right <laughs> there's no such thing as that my plane was maybe filled half filled, so eight people and they do multiple stops the one thing I regretted, and I know that you always travel with them, I didn't have my earplugs. You know, I was traveling super light. Come on, I was going on a beach. I was not doing anything. I didn't, and I forgot my earplugs. Man, these things are noisy when you're in the air. Yeah. <laughs> they, so they, you didn't have like... No. No headphones, nothing. Wow. I had taken only my AirPods, you know, the Apple thing. Yeah, yeah. And because I was, you know, again, I was traveling in business in first class and Emirates. It was like, the headphones will be good enough. I want to travel light and all that stuff. And also I had, of course I should add, there was a, a quite a strict limitation of what you can, uh, how much weight you can bring into the seaplane. That seat makes line. sense. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? Plus I don't want to bother with a lot of stuff. I'm going to be on a beach for a week. But you know, when it takes, a, we had to wait like in line, again, like in an airport. And the the, the pilot looked, looked like, like Tom Cruise. It was uh, like a, you know, an, Kind of Indian. I don't. Know, they look like Indian. And I'm sorry, Sri Lankan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sri Lankan Indian. That kind of type. But Tom Cruise. It was the best pilot. I had pictures of him. Like super cool. It was. It was literally flying barefoot. You know. <laughs> what a life that must be for for a while to go and fly that type of stuff. Yeah, it's 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 fan absolutely fantastic. So they we wait in line literally, and it's I don't. I mean, of course, I'm not a pilot, but it's amazing how they can basically they, they are. 
they are waiting in line before the virtual runway on a virtual taxiway and then one behind the other and they are controlling the thing and we're literally going as if we were actually, you know on wheels and, yeah. but we're simply on these floating like, things yeah, yeah. right and then then we take off the takeoff is absolutely amazing and of course again it's a small aircraft you see everything the pilot door stays open so i was right in front in equivalent 1a if you want because oh, i wow. rushed into the plane too there was no reserve seats or whatever but i wanted to take pictures and see how they do it it was freaking amazing that's I mean, I so loved it. cool you feel everything every small turbulences but you see as well everything and, and how long was the flight 35 minutes uh there was on the way there uh we had one stop so another resort uh, because that's the thing there's no i couldn't even map it on open flights open oh, flights yeah. yeah open flight i couldn't use it because these are airports that are unmarked they they busy they, you know they can land anywhere they want oh i see so you couldn't log that that that's funny <laughs> they could lo- they could land anywhere they want they landed this first uh resort after 20 probably 20 minutes and uh then to our resort were the only two ones going there and it was i mean the for me that's the most impressive it's the landing the descent feels like it's probably wrong, but it feels like super stiff. I'm like, oh, let's crash into the water. And they're really going super, super stiff. And then the last possible second, just redress the thing and we'll land. And then, of course, there were small waves, so you can feel the whole thing moving. And it's like amazing. I wonder uh, why that is, like why, why it feels like it's a, a steep descent. I don't know if it's because of regulation for noise, because probably the resorts uh, don't want to have like planes flying because it will fly kind of high. Because other than that, when I was on the island, I could never really hear the the aircraft. They're very, very high above, right? So oh, maybe perhaps that's, that's what it is. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. They're trying to because you know their their main resource in the in the in the country is literally. A tourism, tourism. So maybe and I hand tourism, guys. It's it is expensive. You have some resorts that are less expensive, but it is expensive. Mm. So probably that's why. Yeah, that makes sense. That that's the most reasonable explanation. But anyway, I think it was a DHC three otter. So it, yeah. it's you know it's it's amazing, amazing, amazing experience. Do it once in your lifetime. The noise, the you know the waves when you're trying, everything is just batshit. But it's cool. That's it's so, so cool. cool. Oh, it's so cool. So anyway. Envious. Uh, the one thing I'll finish with that because I know you have a hard stop. Uh, what I learned that was very, very, you know, again, each island, it's its own resort. The Maldives have, I think, a plus four GMT time zone, mm-hmm. which it's, in and of itself is not surprising where they're located. But then, depending on the hotel, so each island has its own time zone. They just, what? yeah, so what happens is that some of the hotels that are catering for Chinese, for instance, or for Thai or for Indians will have their time zone closer to their uh, actually most of the people they come from. So I, I learned that because my island was in a normal time zone, the Maldives time zone, whatever. But when I crossed to another island, which was next door, that island was plus one. And I was like, what? How is that? <laughs> What? Because that island was catering for Indian and Indians are next door and they're on plus five or something. So you're like, what? And I asked the staff of the of a hotel, I said, yeah, some islands are plus five and a half, some islands are, you know, plus two, like and they're on Dubai time. I'm like, what the <laughs> does that even mean? That's so bizarre. I would freak out, not freak out, I'm exaggerating, but if I were on an island 
that is not on the official time zone, but then, you know, I have to catch a flight back to the airport, my senses will be, okay, okay, when do I need to leave? When do I need to leave not to miss my flight? When, what, what time zone are we in? You know what I mean? That's <laughs> so bizarre. It is. That would break my brain. Look, that's it for Maldives. I'll talk a little bit more in the next episode as well. You're flying next, you told us. To San Jose, California on BA on a um, 789. Looking forward to it. I'm flying to Asia, probably in Cathay Pacific. We'll tell the story. We might record another episode, as we told you guys, before actually we do these flights or not. We'll see if we find the time to kind of compensate for our absence. Otherwise, uh, we'll record next time when Alex is in the U.S., and I'm here enjoying, for once in my life, barbecues in the UK. There you go. That's the way to do it. Safe travels, Alex. Safe travels, guys. Safe travels, guys.